Hi everyone, thanks for joining us for this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks, brought to you by PolyScience and Summit Research. This is Patricia Miller, Managing Editor for Cannabis and Tech Today. We're here at MJ BizCon and I'm sitting down with Chanae Bullock. You are the Managing Director for Little Beach Harvest. Yes. Um, and I'd love to, to hear more about how you got into cannabis and uh, what's the deal with Little Beach Harvest. Tell me about the background. Yes, so I am a tribal citizen. Happy Native American Heritage Month to everyone listening. Excellent. I'm a tribal citizen of the Shinnecock Nation, which is in Long Island, New York. And Little Beach Harvest is our tribe's wholly owned cannabis business. Um, we actually got into the cannabis industry back in 2016. Our tribe passed our own medical ordinance. And so we issue license um, within our own community. Right, so we have our own uh, cannabis regulatory division that issues license. So our Little Beach Harvest has a license, a cannabis license. We don't need a license from the state of New York, which is where our our tribe is located. Um, and we're right in the Hamptons. Awesome. Um, so we are in the process right now of building our dispensary, about a 5,000 square feet um dispensary we broke ground july 11th and so we are doing everything from gearing up operations you know hiring you know looking at different brands um really awesome exciting times for our tribe um because the main thing is um our tribes do not receive a lot of the benefits that most of the social equity groups do in the state, we don't receive any of that. those different benefits. We're not a part of those programs, even though we are a social equity group. And why so, is that? Is it because it's federal? Or I mean, because it's not incorporated in the state? Yes, we are separate. We right. are, have our own separate government. So that means that we have to generate our own economic sustainability to sustain ourselves as a tribal nation. So this is really exciting because not only is it going to sustain us, but it's also going to really help with the mental health. It's going to help create jobs. I mean, cannabis, I think we were just talking earlier, it's just like a really awesome, you know, plant, you know, it's, it's a healing plant. And Absolutely. so that's something we're going to be able to provide uh, for our community and others. So were there challenges in um, setting up your own framework before it was even legal in the state of New York? Did, did that cause issues as far as getting it, getting it open? Um, no. So when it comes to our tribe, um, and just like any other tribe, uh, we vote uh, on something. So just because something is happening or not happening within the state doesn't mean that that's something that would be best or not so good for the tribe it's all incumbent upon what the tribe's needs are and what the benefits are for the for the community itself so with that being said um you know you do have tribal members that were you know looking at the industry and looking at things coming online um and brought it to the tribe and said hey this is something that we can do this is something that we should be a part of and so that's something that we're doing that's excellent and what are you most excited about as far as um, this dispensary coming to your community? Well, I'm most excited about the fact that it's going to be in the Hamptons, <laughs> but it's also going to be on Shinnecock land. That's awesome. And it's going to be like a retail destination place. A lot of people have never been to a tribal reservation. A lot of people are not even aware that there are tribal communities still in New York 
you know, close to New York City. Um, so not only is this a place where people are going to be able to come and, and, and purchase their cannabis, but it's also going to be a place of education. It's almost like a gateway to Indian country, if you will. Um, we're also going to be having a wellness lounge mm. that will be adjacent to our um, dispensary. Um, so once that is, you know, built, that will also be an awesome place for us to be able to hold and facilitate a space for all types of conversations when it comes to indigenous rights, when it comes to cannabis, when it comes to holistic practices and things of that nature. So this is a consumption lounge? Um, yes, so eventually we will be able to have it as a consumption lounge, yes. That's awesome. I think we need more of those spaces where we can decrease the stigma, normalize it, and give people a community outlet where they can partake communally. So I, I hope that that's successful for you. Yes. Has it been a challenge to to set up spaces like that in uh, in the state? Well, I would have to say, like, the challenge with doing anything as a tribe in the state. Yeah. Um, it takes a government-to-government -government relationship. So when yeah. it comes to our tribes having businesses, we're not just like any other business. It is a government-to-government -government relationship that has to be had. Or an agreement that has to be made, right? Yeah. For that business to be able to um, not have as many challenges as they've had. Um, and in our case, if we want to be able to buy wholesale from other registered operators in the state, we should be able to do so because they're able to do so, right? They're right. able to do that. But because we don't have a license in the state of New York and our license is essentially issued from the Shinnecock Nation, the state has yet to recognize it as reciprocity. Interesting. So when we want to purchase wholesale from other operators in the state, we can, but that becomes a big risk for those operators because they're like, what could happen to our license? And the state has yet to really say anything or weigh in on that. Um, although the MRTA from New York State does speak to being able to enter in agreements with tribes. Okay. Um, but we have submitted that agreement and we haven't heard back from that. So the challenges there are really just the intergovernmental component of it. Um, and I think where I come into place is being a representation in the overall industry for tribes because you don't see that many tribes here at MJ Biz. You are so right. So the educational component is important because the more and more people that are aware of this, the more and more we can partner, the more and more we can come together, um, just like how it's happening here. You have brands that are meeting different uh, operators. You have all of, the, all of this amazing business that's happening at MJ BizCon. But if tribes are left out, um, it's, it's our job that are vocal to come and at least educate as much as we can because it is the states and it is the federal government that we're all essentially trying to make sure that we have the right provisional language in the policies so that way we can maneuver in this industry the way we need to maneuver. Beautifully said, and I'm so glad you're bringing that awareness and education to this space right now and to this floor. Earlier, we, we had a cancellation in our, in our podcast lineup, and I went walking the floor trying to find some female founders or wow. people of color to speak with us and the representation is very poor um so i think it's vital that that you're bringing attention to these voices that aren't uh finding enough platforms and do you think there's 
I wonder if there's a way that MJ BizCon could facilitate more participation um, from the Shinecock Nation, from other uh, indigenous groups. And I, I wonder if it's a, you know, a financial barrier or feeling like there's not, it's not the market that they want to talk to. Well, I think um, what's interesting is, so I spoke on like three panels yesterday. Excellent. Um, and yesterday I had at least two to three natives come up to me directly afterwards. And one of them told me that they came to this conference just to hear me speak. They said wow. that they've never heard a Native American speak on any of these panels before. And then the other person was just saying, like, how that just made him feel like he's not the only Native here at this conference. That's so I great. think that it's important to look at that you have the patrons, if you will, or the guests or the registered participants in the conference. There are Native registered participants, uh, a substantial amount. And we see each other walking around. But we don't see ourselves represented in uh, any of the, the booths usually. And that could be a cost factor, right? I mean, most small businesses, it's pretty expensive to have a booth like this, right? Very. And that, that makes sense. Um, and so that it takes time to get to that point. But as far as having a voice, but not only just a voice, um, people are interested in policy when it comes to cannabis, period. And people are advocating as people of color to have provisional language in policy, period. But if you're leaving out the quote-unquote other, because you have black, Latino, white, you know, Asian, woman, and then there's comma other, a lot of times Native Americans are not looked at as that. And then what a lot of times states are doing is just saying, oh, well, they can do their own thing. Okay, yeah, but what about what we can do together as two governments here. Yeah. Because if we, as the Shinnecock tribe, which is the first contacted tribe in the state of New York, we live on the ocean, and our sister tribes, as we know next week being Thanksgiving, the Mashantucket Pequot and the Wampanoag people, if we had said, oh, they can do their own thing, there would be no United States today. Ah. So when you look at how we govern ourselves on our very same lands, we have always held stewardship not only to the water, not only to the land, but to other humanitarians. And so when you're talking about cannabis, this is a sacred plant to who we are. Yeah. So not only are we going to enter this industry, we're reclaiming this industry by able to do this with our own policies, create our own economies, but that shouldn't be separate from the overall industry that should be able to have reciprocity just like we allow reciprocity on our own lands with other departments of the federal government or the state and i don't think enough people in the overall industry are aware of that so it's not that like we're being left out on purpose i don't think that that's the case i think it's just no awareness of it I don't think that people are uh, cognitive of it. Hmm. How do you think um, we could address that? I mean, what do you think needs to happen uh, more of an industry level to, to bring attention to that? Well, I think um, THC magazine, Tribal Hemp and Cannabis magazine, it's a magazine that was founded by Mary Jane Oatman. I love um, Mary Jane. And she is, the, uh, uh, she is a powerhouse. As a matter of fact, um, two days ago, 
I was just in D.C. for the National Indigenous uh, Cannabis Policy Summit, um, where we talked about national indigenous cannabis cannabis policy in D.C. Um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of dispensaries that are owned by tribes. There are a lot of grows that are owned by tribes. There are a lot of brands that are owned by tribes. And it's it's also just really becoming aware of that and just finding that out and reaching out to those companies. I appreciate that. So what are you most excited to see on the horizon for Little Beach Harvest? I am so excited to really see our tribe do business at this level. I mean, historically, we are known as whalers. We taught the people in the Hamptons how to whale. You know, that the Hamptons essentially was founded on whaling wow. and a lot of ancient industries. And since there were so many laws that were made against our way of living, the wealth gap between us as Shinnecock people and the one percenters now that live in the Hamptons has has increased and has widened, right? So here, this is an amazing opportunity for us to really be able to sustain ourselves, not only financially, but again, just the education of just overall business and what industry is, because you have economies, you have businesses, and then you have industries. And this is an emerging industry that is creating it into a community that is creating an emerging economy. And to be able to do business to business with when you look at Little Beach Harvest, it is owned by the tribe. It's considered a tribal business. But then there are individual tribal, like Native American-owned businesses that are owned by individuals that can now do business with a big business. That's an economy that yeah. we're creating. Because this business is owned by the tribe. It's something that, you know, not just random people just come in and, and leave. This is something that our tribe is going to own. You know, and that's that's exciting, you know, with all the history and things that we, we understand natives to have gone through. But this is really exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you would come share your perspective with us and that through our humble podcast, we can we can help amplify that voice a little bit. Yes. Um, I think we'll we'll wrap it up. Do you have any parting thoughts maybe for our listeners? Yes, I would just say, you know, um, really just do some research on what's going on in Indian country when it comes to cannabis. We are still fighting our sovereignty at every single bit that we can. So if it's in the cannabis industry, if it's with land, if it's the, with this, it's super important to understand what that is because if we hold power as governments, that is extremely helpful for the industry. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Um, so for Janae Bullock and myself, Patricia Miller, I appreciate uh, our listeners for tuning into this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. If you enjoyed uh, learning about emerging uh, businesses in the space, be sure to follow us on uh, all the major podcast platforms. Uh, and on behalf of Cannabis Tech Talks, PolyScience and Summit Research, thanks for joining us and stay elevated. Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Wait, you didn't think people would know who I am? Durachill. Uh, this is Durachill. This is Durachill. This is Durachill. No. Hey, I don't talk like that. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Durachill or else. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Durachill. You can't go wrong.
This show was produced by Cannabis Tech Today and Pretty Easy Podcasts. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com now if you're looking to get professional production help on your own podcast at an affordable rate. Pretty Easy Podcasts, making podcasting pretty easy.